windows. The Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Hunter Muscara, Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nook is spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown to one. Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. What's your name, man? I told you it doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Friday, Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher on location. Another edition of Sandos and the sidekick as we wrap up this week and disappointing game yesterday for each issue women's basketball but the good news is they get a play again tomorrow we'll talk about saturday's game versus mercer that'll be on the network at two o'clock 1 30 pregame show the men on the road at western carolina will break down both the men's and women's basketball game the men play at seven pregame show at 6 30 both those again covered on our flagship station am 640 wxsm the sports monster but we need to recap last night's game and Mike Gallagher on location from Macon, Georgia. Let's talk a little bit about uh, last night's contest with Birmingham. And certainly we thought uh, ETSU maybe had a favorable matchup, but when Sanford starts knocking down shots early, it made the game a little more difficult. Yeah, quite frankly, Jay, I'd prefer not to talk about it, but this is a podcast and our job is to talk about these kind of things. So I suppose we kind of have to. I, I was borderline shocked uh, about how the game went. Uh, I know that, you know, you win back-to-back games against uh, Furman and Wofford, and all of a sudden things do seem rosy. And so maybe I let that get in the way of my breakdown of this game because you said it. I mean, it did seem like a very favorable matchup, a Sanford team that doesn't score the ball a lot of, until last night at least, a Sanford team that does have problems at least inside the arc, knocking down shots. A Sanford team that's really devoid of a lot of individual offensive talent. But Natalie Armstrong, even though she was in foul trouble, she picks up 15 points at Tanasia Hill. Um, granted, uh, you know, an auxiliary piece, a uh, tertiary piece, but someone that stepped up and scored 21 to lead all scorers. And ETSU's side of the ball, uh, defensively, it was just um, a really difficult evening. And this is kind of how things have gone away from Brooks Gym this year. ETSU giving up right around 75 points per game on the season. They're giving up 77 points away from Brooks and are now 0-12 on the away season, Oasis slash neutral site season. And offensively, they've had their struggles, and it really wasn't in terms of efficiency last night that they had any offensive issues. They once again went above 40% from the field, above 35% from the arc, and above 70% from the line. That's been a recipe for success the last week or so to winning games, but they lose because Sanford shoots 57% from the floor, and they hit nine threes, and Paige Syrup was hot early, and the first and third quarter just bit ETSU in the rear, and also Sanford did a really good job of taking care of the ball. I mean, you look at the box score, and it really does tell all the story in terms of how Sanford was able to flip the game. 
they shot the ball really well. Even though they were down in the rebounding category, uh, ETSU was only able to get two offensive rebounds the entire night. And uh, the Bucs just were not able to force mistakes from Stanford. Only six turnovers the whole night, whereas Stanford turned 12 ETSU turnovers into 19 points off. That's very efficient, making the most and being opportunistic of what ETSU did negatively. And consequently, ETSU on the other side wasn't able to do the same. I, th- I thought that was the biggest thing that really hurt ETSU was Sanford six turnovers, ETSU four steals, but there just wasn't unforced uh, errors by Sanford. Not, you know, that's their game. They play the slow down, the Princeton style, back cut you to death and try to wait for you to make a mistake, and, and that system's difficult. But when they don't turn it over and, Mike, they're hitting three-point shots, it just compounds everything. Yeah, absolutely. average and yeah they were sharp shooting I mean there's no question about it and that's just not something that you expected and you can't say well Stanford just had a great night some of that has to do with ETSU's defense uh, you know only scoring 60 points away from Brooks Jim obviously that hurts you know you're not going to win a lot of games when you only score 60 uh, again ETSU didn't have any problem efficiency wise but as you said the slower pace didn't take a lot of threes and they are um, they have some sharp shooters Micah Sheets Carly Litton uh, Tasia Murphy all of which played some last night and so Sanford is perhaps a better team than people realize as well I mean with that offensive performance last night that they put up on top of the fact that they took Mercer to overtime and only lost to UNCG by one, you know, a couple plays late go their way, and they're undefeated in the conference. But it was a golden opportunity for the Bucks to continue the momentum going in the right direction, and Mercer beat Chattanooga last night, so ETSU would have been playing for here in Macon tomorrow at 2 p.m. a share of the Southern Conference lead. They could have moved to 4-1 and in the league, and Mercer, obviously, if they would have beaten the 4-0 Bears, would have dropped to 4-1 and as well. But uh, it's time to retool a little bit for Brittany's own company. They're at practice right now. They're going to have a shoot-around tomorrow morning also. And uh, I don't really have a lot of positives, quite honestly, Jay, to take out of last night's game. Uh, there, there haven't been games like that this year for the Bucs. Yes, they've lost a lot of ball games, but really they haven't gotten um, owned in so many facets of the game aside from the South Carolina contest where they lost by, you know, 46 or whatever it was, like they did last night. You know, I've used the stat over and over and over this year. Going into last night, it was 14 of the 15 losses for ETSU. They were within 10 with 15 minutes or less to go. So a lot of them have been close games, a lot of them right up to the end. Eight of those games, they were within uh, three points with seven minutes to go or less time on the clock. So, yeah, I, I just am very surprised. Um, I know that ETSU and head coach Brittany Azell are going to work to correct that uh, ahead of a really big game here at Hawkins Arena. Well, we won't have to spend any more time uh, on that game if you don't want to. I know I certainly don't. We've got a couple yeah. of previews to get to. We can preview ETSU versus Mercer. We'll do that up next. Coming up on our third segment, we'll talk about ETSU men's basketball versus Western Carolina, and then we'll have our bold predictions. We'll step aside for a timeout. Back with Mike Gallagher on Santos and the sidekick. We'll break down ETSU women's basketball versus the Mercer Bears coming up tomorrow right after this short timeout from the Buccaneers Sports Network. It's funny how things can multiply, like cold weather. One minute, a few snowflakes fall. The next, you need a snowblower just to find your feet. Or tardiness. Run two minutes late in the morning, and you're a half hour late to work. Come on. But good things come from multiplying, too, like the new Multiplier Instant Games, which give you a chance to multiply your winnings. So go ahead. Enjoy the good kind of multiplying today with the new Multiplier Instant Games, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. 
wow am I happy about my new wow rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Peaceful mornings always turn into crazy days. With all the madness, when's a mom supposed to find time for grocery shopping? Fortunately, Food City offers curbside pickup. With the same great in-store prices, I can pick up what I want online. And Food City does the shopping for me. Here you go, ma'am. Have a nice day. <sighs> that moment you realize you are the chaos coordinator. Go, Kelly! Mother like no other. With go-kart curbside pickup. Only at Food City. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence and education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda... You can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. and the sidekick with you, Jay Sandoz, Mike Gallagher. We start to break down the contest tomorrow. It's 2 p.m., 1.30 airtime. Mike will have the call of that ETSU women's basketball trying to bounce back. And they'll take on what was their arch nemesis last year, the defending Southern Conference regular season and tournament champion, the Mercer Bears. But this is a much different-looking Mercer Bear team, at least at the top. Yeah, no question about it, Jay. And you recognize Mercer and their dominance probably with one person. That's Khalil Lawrence, who is no longer um, in Macon. Back-to-back-to-back Southern Conference Player of the Year. It's no coincidence that Mercer won back-to-back-to-back Southern Conference regular season championships in those three years that she was here. But it's not just her. Sydney Means gone also, and she's someone that was top 20 in the nation in assists last year, averaged over eight per game. So she was a facilitator, made everything go. Lawrence was drafted 
selected as the 24th overall pick in the WNBA draft last year, highest ever selection out of the Southern Conference, taken by the Minnesota Lynx, who then on draft night flipped her to Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Aces. But it was kind of a short-lived dream scenario for Kalia Lawrence, which I think is kind of sad because Lawrence was a dominant player in this league. She was someone that did a little bit of everything and was, if you want to call uh, someone that is the MVP, the best player on the best team, that's why she won those SOCOM players of the year because she was consistently up around 20 points per game, was able to do some other facets of the game well also and combined with means and then also the preseason Southern Conference Player of the Year this season, Kiki Calloway, to really form a tremendous trio here in Macon. But she has gone now playing in Italy and having some success. She's playing at the top level of uh, Italian basketball, starting uh, about 15 points per game, three and a half rebounds, a couple of assists too. So she has found some success overseas. Uh, but remaining on this team for Mercer is the aforementioned Calloway, who is a heck of a player. Uh, she was always kind of played uh, that second banana role behind um, Kalia Lawrence, but now she's had the chance to step into the spotlight. And Amanda Thompson is someone that has filled in where production kind of lacked for Mercer, if you at least looked on paper with Kalia Lawrence gone. Thompson's entering tomorrow averaging nearly a double-double, literally a tenth of a rebound away from averaging a double-double after she grabbed 16 boards last night against Chattanooga and did have a double-double uh, complimenting it. Ironically enough, someone that you wouldn't talk about a lot, certainly leading up to this year, but even going into last night, Shannon Titus, 24 points, a career high. So Mercer has found some success with other players, not named Sydney Beats, not named Kalia Lawrence, and they have certainly not shown the dominance that they did last year, but I mean, winning 27 in a row, only losing three times the whole year, taking a number four seed in the NCAA tournament right to the end, and George only losing by five. That just doesn't come around every season. They are still very stout. Yes, they've lost seven times, but they're 4-0 in conference play. A lot of those games have been close, and there's some interesting stats regarding how they're winning games uh, that I'll talk about on the broadcast tomorrow. But uh, just because they're not blowing teams out, just because they don't have Kalia Lawrence, doesn't mean this Mercer team is any less in terms of what they can present on a given day. And Kiki Calloway, uh, Calloway Amanda Thompson, and last night Shannon Titus certainly showed that. Well, and I think the, the Amanda Thompson one I was really going to hit on, me, me and Kevin Brown, uh, had, to, had to watch the Sanford-Mercer game before ETSU took on Mercer in men's basketball. And without Amanda Thompson making play after play down the stretch, not just rebounding, as you mentioned, but hitting clutch shots and free throws, uh, and just seemed to be all over the place, seemed to be sort of the, the glue that's kind of holding that team together. Last year she was relegated to, to some just role play uh, and, yeah. and just like, hey, really, and a lot of the role play was get out of the other two's way, right? Now she's accepted <laughs> the role. Of, of making plays and being that deciding factor. And I think that could be the key because, let's be honest, Kiki Callaway has not been stopped by about anybody this year. So she's going to be able to get her points. But how do the Bucks handle maybe, as you mentioned, Titus Thompson? How can they kind of uh, slow those two down to, to make a difference in the contest? And, you know, the one thing about ETSU schedule, you know, they, they scheduled obviously quality opponents. Well, so did Mercer. And they've yeah. picked off a few. You know, they've won – uh, at Florida, uh, 92-82, they had a tough loss uh, against Wake Forest, UCF, and Memphis, and Georgia, Florida State by one. So, I mean, they, they played some tough competition. You know, they beat George Washington, which usually women's basketball is a pretty good basketball team. So, they've been able to, to, to beef up the schedule. They're 12-7. and seven. There's not many Southern Conference women's basketball teams above 500, which is unusual because so used to seeing Chattanooga dominate Mercer last couple years and Susie Gardner's done a tremendous job, obviously, turning around 
the Mercer women's basketball program. But to me, I think it's how do they stop either Thompson or Titus? I, you know, if they don't stop all three, clearly it's going to be an issue for ETSU women's basketball. But I think if they can at least slow down the other two, if not maybe take one completely out, I think it's just going to enhance ETSU's chances. Plus, I think ETSU has that chip on its shoulder of wanting to try to avenge last year's losses. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, they've lost six in a row now to Mercer, and the all-time series is 19-18 uh, to 18 in favor of Mercer. So this is not only a chance to break a recent string, but draw back level with a team that we know is dominant lately. But you are right. I mean, Susan Gardner's done a very good job. This Mercer team hasn't always been this dominant force. It really is the last number of years uh, with Kalia Lawrence. And that's where I think these programs, ETSU and Mercer, that is, are kind of in a similar spot. You know, you lose a huge star, ETSU and Tiana Targer and Mercer with Kalia Lawrence. And that's about how you reload. Now, ETSU has Erica Haynes-Overton, right? And she's the one that needs to step up and someone that I think ETSU, Brittany Zell, would tell you before the year when she was not named preseason conference player of the year and Kiki Cal away was, these are probably the top two players entering the year in the Southern Conference, and ETSU was a bit upset, the fact that Callaway got the nod, and Erica Haynes Overton did not. Now, Overton ended up with uh, 18 points against um, Sanford uh, last night, but a lot of those came late, and she really, I think, has been working on letting the game come to her a bit more, not as assertive in the first half, and then if she senses trouble, she kind of springs into action. Um, but ETSU, regardless of how they stop Mercer, they are going to have to take, as you said, at least one or two of those players away. It's a philosophical thing on who you want to take away. Is it going to be the big star? It's much like facing um, a Wofford on the men's side, and we saw that incredible game last night that uh, Storm Murphy was able to hit another game winner. I'm sure we'll talk about that just a bit in the men's segment coming up, but um, it's about who you want to take away. Do you take away Fletcher McGee when you face Wofford, or do you try to take away everyone else and let Fletcher McGee get his points? It's the same thing with Mercer. Are you going to take away or try to take away at least Kiki Calloway? It sounds like you would rather try and take away Thompson, take away Titus, take away some of the other pieces that are around Calloway. And however you do it, you're going to have to have a better defensive effort than you did against Sanford because you're giving up, as we mentioned, uh, 75 points per game this year, regardless of home or away. And offensively, they really need to break out of this string away from Brooks Gym where they're averaging 17 less points per game than at home. And I think a lot of that has been the fact that they played better competition away from Brooks, but you're not going to get very far in this league or on the national stage if you can't win away from your home gym because you have to remember, Janet mentioned this on the broadcast last night, you're very familiar with Asheville. Well, that's where the Southern Conference Tournament is. That is not Brooks Gym. So to get the first one, you know, it's always about getting the first one. And ETSU took eight contests this year to get their first win overall. Okay, they got that barrier broken down. Uh, they started to play a little bit better and break out of some of their uh, poor habits. And really, over those two weeks from December 29th to January 12th, they were able to work on those holes in their game and go into the conference play and get that first win after losing to Chattanooga, then get a second win, knock off two SoCon undefeated teams that entered the week in Furman and Wofford. But the one barrier they haven't break, broken down so far is winning away from Brooks. Erica Haynes-Overton, I think she might have to go back to being that assertive um, 
that assertive force that she has been in the past offensively. She's going to need some help. Micah Sheets is battling a back injury. She played last night, but really was kind of a non-factor. Alexis Spears got some touches early, was able to convert, but then she was absent pretty much the rest of the game. Carly Litton was the same way. So um, I'm not sure if they're still working on the pecking order, but we're getting pretty late in the season for them to be doing so. I also think part of it in terms of last night was that atmosphere at Sanford was just kind of terrible. Uh, you know, 100 people there. So Mercer is not going to be that way tomorrow. There were uh, 1,800 people in Hawkins Arena last night. I'm expecting there will be another 1,000, 1,500, if not more, for that matinee affair. And, um, yeah, taking away Thompson, taking away Titus, that's a good start. Or if you want to take away Callaway, do that. But you're going to have to score more than 58 in order to win this game. I find it interesting Mercer's not particularly a team that shoots a lot of threes, but yet they're not particularly great inside as far as post play. I really think that could be the one advantage for ETSU. I think they need to pound the basketball inside and see if they can't get Mercer in some foul trouble and try to get easy buckets. Yeah, I mean, that would be a great piece to put into the game plan, you know, drive it down low. And instead of Lexi Spears getting early touches and then only having one field goal attempt the rest of the game, keep going to her. I, I know that Coach Zell doesn't really like to play her more than 15, at most 20 minutes in a game, but um, it might be to the point where ETSU has to really tighten this rotation because you saw Sanford last night, they didn't go to the bench until like three minutes to go in the third quarter, or first quarter, excuse me, third quarter, first quarter. Um, they went the first seven minutes with playing their starters, and that built them an advantage. Lexus Spears got a flagrant foul towards the end of that first quarter, and that allowed Sanford to put a little bit of um, a gap between themselves and ETSU, and Spears then from there was kind of a non-factor. Brittany Snowden, while she's had some really good games lately, um, she wasn't able to get a foothold in the game, and Tadasia Tips really not much of a score, more of a rebounder, so uh, if you can take advantage of the fact that, yes, Mercer is big, but they don't have a lot of skill players down if you can take advantage of the fact that you do have the biggest player on the court in Lexus Spears, someone in Brittany Snowden that thrives in whatever role you put her in, and if you can just neutralize Amanda Thompson on the glass, because there have been games this year where teams and the Chattanooga game comes to mind with Ebony Williams, there's been one player that has crashed the offensive glass and just brutalized ETSU down there, really changed the game on their own. Amanda Thompson is someone that can do that, so make sure to get a body on her. Yeah, drive the rock down low, that's great, I don't mind that whatever offensive game plan is put together. ETSU needs to make sure that there's a second and third score there with Erica Haynes-Overton, and I like the fact that Erica has kind of let the game come to her more lately, because I think early on in the season, in those first half, she maybe got a little bit erratic at times. You know, she's a very emotional player. She wants to, you know, take on the world on her own a lot of times, and I think that's a great quality. I think that is what makes her the tremendous player that she is, but I think she saw some of that erratic play going on, took a step back. Uh, If she can find a nice balance between taking, you know, four combined shots in two games in the first half and taking, you know, 12, and a lot of which are contested jumpers, that middle ground can be very important. And I think it can open up the rest of the game for the offensive players for ETSU that are trying to complement her. Well, Mike, we'll uh, give our bold predictions uh, on that contest on our last segment, but we're going to transition from ETSU women's basketball to the men's side of things. They'll be in Cullowee, North Carolina. The last time ETSU men's team lost in Cullowee, 21 years ago to the date. Wow. We'll talk about that on the other side of this timeout. This is Santos and the Sidekick. Don't forget to give us a download on SoundCloud and on iTunes. You can subscribe to the RSS feed. We're back with more after this timeout from the Buccaneer Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated health care system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, 
We are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks! The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 16 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. McDonald's says they flash freeze their beef. Doesn't sound good to Wendy's, but someone might be into that. Tis I, Old Man Winter, and <clears throat> I'm not a fan of frozen beef either. Don't stereotype me. I prefer fresh beef just like anybody else. I'm only human ish. Skip the frozen beef from the frozen arches and head to Wendy's. Try a hot Dave's double and see how fresh, fresh tastes. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Mulligan Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulligan's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Rockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulligan Flooring. Bucks fans and football fans across the country can now design their dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you create custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from 10 home and building structures designed with over 50 popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. General Shale, a proud supporter of ETSU Athletics. Segment Sandos and the Sidekick. I'm Jay Sandos alongside Mike Gallagher. I'm in the lovely spacious Johnson City new studio, second floor of the mini note. Mike's down in Hawkins Arena right now, taking some time on a Friday. He'll have the call of ETSU women's basketball, 1.30 airtime, 2 o'clock tip. ETSU versus Mercer. I'll be in Cullowee tomorrow, 6.30 airtime, 7 o'clock between ETSU and the Catamounts. And Mike, I tease it on the other side, but we were looking. ETSU had lost... I'm sorry, had won 23 of the last 24. The only loss was the final nail in the coffin, honestly, for head coach Murray Bartow was the quarterfinals loss in overtime at Southern Conference Tournament back in 2015. And that spurned a conversation between me and Nuggets about, hey, when was the last time ETSU lost in Cullowee? And he said, January 26, 1998. How about that? I mean, that's that's pretty incredible. We talked a little bit about it with Daniel Hooker yesterday. And – he said, yeah, I remember the win in the postseason against DTSU. Now, when he said, I remember it, I didn't think that he was saying, it's the only one I remember in my entire time at Western Carolina. 
Carolina or my t- entire time of being a Catamount fan or working at Western Carolina. Apparently, that is the only one. I had no idea it had been that long, but ETSU, I mean, just to state the obvious, has been prolific in basketball for a very long time. Western Carolina has struggled for a very long time, and I'm sure ETSU is hoping to keep that going tomorrow. And the Western Carolina team we talked about with Daniel Hooker um, on Thursday's show that is scrappy. You know, they're starting to figure it out a bit more lately. They're in a lot of games, but boy, history, when it starts to mount like that, Jay, and this is where I was mentally weak as an athlete, and I will always admit that. This is why I was not very successful. had only one collegiate hit in my baseball career. I would look at that and be like, well, I'm pretty much down 10 walking into the arena, and even though it's your home arena, but let's also remember that winning on the road in the SoCon, winning on the road anywhere in any collegiate conference at any level, it's always a lot more difficult. Hockey TSU women's basketball knows that very well this year, as we just talked about in the first two segments, and so the Bucs are going to have to have their pins up. I mean, even when, you know, earlier this year, uh, ETSU was visiting uh, Mercer, you know, that was a game where uh, ETSU easily could have lost, you know, down double digits in the second half, and so there's no game you can take lightly, even if you have beaten your opponent 23 of the last 24 times. I think this is at least going to be one of the more entertaining games for the post play, and it's just amazing to, to see the resurgence of the big men or the post players as far as the Southern Conference. It's been a long time since you could rattle off about eight or ten good post players. But uh, a junior college transfer, and Carlos Dotson has been uh, unbelievable. He's second in the league in double-doubles behind ETSU's very own Jerome Rodriguez. But he's 6'7". They list him at 265. I've seen some footage of him. i got to be honest, that's a generous 265. He's a big dude, but he's so athletic down there, nice footwork. I think that's going to be intriguing to see how the post play for Western Carolina against ETSU. And also, Mike, you know, the new coach, Mark Prosser, it's a very – and Daniel Hooker brought this up uh, on yesterday's show. It's a very different style. He equated it to somebody that came in and recruited to run the wishbone or a a, a three-back attack, and now all of a sudden they're doing a – uh, you know, a Texas Tech, Washington State sort of uh, air raid attack, and it's just all new. So there's some players on last year's squad that are thriving in the system, and then they've got some guys that were pretty good for Larry Hunter, the late Larry Hunter, that obviously aren't doing real well in that system. Well, it's very difficult when you're brought in literally to do one system and you just have to transition on a dime in an off season, and uh, when you have the of course, horrible circumstances that have gone on around the program with the passing of Larry Hunter. I mean, that's that's an emotional burden as well, not to get too psychological on here or anything, but to kind of put that aside, the guy that, you know, brought you in to run a certain system, and then there's this new individual that comes along and wants to grant it a, a, a very um, impressive lineage uh, in his family with basketball and someone that is very qualified for the job and says, hey, you know what, guys, we're, we're, we're going to do this, um, you know, that's not an easy thing to come to terms with either physically or mentally. And I think that Western Carolina, yes, there are going to be some bumps in the road. But considering everything that has gone on in the last year, I think they've pieced it together pretty well. Five wins is not a lot. You know, being two and six in the league, you know, that's not, I'm sure, where they want to be. But I think the Southern Conference is very interesting in post players because immediately what comes to my mind when we talk about, oh, you know, all these post players, there's eight to ten of them. You know, you've got the Cam Jacksons, you've got the Jerome Rodriguez's, you know, you've got this great matchup, you know, coming tomorrow down in the paint between Western Carolina and ETSU. That's probably, I think you'll say it, and I'll say it as well, probably going to be the key to the game. I don't have to give a key tomorrow because I'm going to be down here in Macon, but uh, Trey Adams and perhaps uh, Cody Woodall will steal that one from you. It could be all three or your key to the game because it is so obvious and apparent, it seems like, that that is the big matchup where owns the 
paint. But I instantly think when there's all these great post players, like, well, oh, what is the SoCon living in the past? You know, like this is this is not how basketball is played anymore. But it's had such an impressive non-conference year, and the team and the teams have been so strong, specifically at the top of the SoCon. It gives you pause. It makes you think, like, you know, there there is still a place for this strong post play. There is still a place for pounding it in the paint and running more of a you know uh, early '90s, late '80s type game. And I'm not saying you know ETSU is uh, flinging people around by the neck or anyone in the league is like Kurt Rambis, you know, on a, on a breakaway. But uh, certainly the more physical style of play is still alive. It is well. The ETSU team is so different from last year's team. Um, they're not the high flyers. They're not the ones that are going to necessarily put on the show. But they're a team that is so much more, I think, solid in terms of the things that can keep you in a game. I can't imagine ETSU, and this is where the UNCG game comes in, ever really being out of a contest. The only time that was really the case this year, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, this really didn't happen against Wofford, didn't happen against UNCG, didn't happen against Creighton, didn't happen against Georgia State. Um was the Illinois game, and that was when you were in the airport at like 2 a.m. eating a, a team meal because the travel arrangements were just all kinds of backwards. So I can't imagine a team like ETSU built like ETSU with the players that they have ever being out of a game, and I certainly would expect them, especially if they can go in and start fast like they tend to, uh, to hopefully it's a put their foot down in terms of closing the game because that is what we've looked for a lot lately and talked about a lot lately. The one thing about Western Carolina, and I think it just jumps off the page, um, that, that could be an issue is the fact they do take an absurd amount of threes. Now, they're averaging about nine makes a game. They're about middle of the conference as far as three-point percentage goes. But where I think ETSU can really make some headways there, the dead last team in turnover margin, they're almost a minus nine uh, in turnovers. And I think that's something that ETSU – not necessarily this year's team compared to last as far as forcing turnovers, but they still have been just as opportunistic when they've been able to get live ball turnovers to finish it in transition on the open floor. And honestly, that's probably when ETSU's offense is clicking the best. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of it, too, is we say that there's all this physical down-low play for ETSU and they've got the post. I remember a couple times at least now this year where Milad Narmas has had a steal and he's gone coast-to-coast. Coast. So these are not bigs that only can have success in the boxes, you know, on the left and right box on the offensive end. They can step in front of passing lanes. Jerome Rodriguez, you know, when I've seen him play, and, of course, I wasn't hanging out of practice last year a whole lot when um, he was sidelined with the injury or even coming into this year, so I haven't had the chance to see him in person play a lot. But the few times I have, the fact that he's he can just, from 20 feet away, put on the spin cycle, give you a crossover dribble, play kind of like a guard, and, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that he's going to break anyone's ankles, but he can get to the hoop on his own, uh, and then you've got Lucas Goussaint, who, of course, being a seven-footer, is your more, perhaps, traditional post, but those two, Armas and Rodriguez, your top two bigs, uh, they're agile, you know, they've got quick hands, they can read passing lanes, and, and they can go 60 feet with the ball, where some posts may not be able to do so, so add that on top of the fact that the Bucks have, you know, Patrick Good and Isaiah Tisdale and Trey Boyd and guys that can make those plays and get in passing lanes and get out on the break with numbers. When you've got bigs that can run the floor, too, it's no wonder that ETSU in transition are a solid group of ventures. Well, I think the one scary thing for ETSU is the fact that West Carolina does have – we've got four guys averaging double figures, so at least the, the West Carolina spreading the ball around. But they've had five different guys have led the team in scoring, similar to ETSU. You're not sure on which day which guy is going to be able to step up. It is a, the Carlos Dotson we've talked a lot about. You know, he's a junior college transfer post player. they got a freshman guard in Cameron Gibson that's kind of come out of nowhere from Maryland. 
He's averaging 13 a game. Then you've got sort of a local product that started his high school career at Dobbins Bennett before transferring to Christ School in Asheville. His brother Todd was, uh, I think, ETSU fans are familiar with. He was on the uh, ETSU basketball team for three years. Ono Stegers, a guy that came off a career high, uh, the pre- not, not last night, but the previous night. He went for 27 against VMI. So there's certainly, you know, some guys to look out for. And then Mark Gosling's got been there for 100 years. He can score. Marcus Thomas had a game when he had 20, 25 last year. So to me, what makes West Carolina could be dangerous or potentially dangerous is the fact that there are so many guys, and is ETSU going to be able to identify if one of those guys are unlike having trouble against UNCG with Allegri uh, coming off the bench and hitting those threes, will ETSU identify if somebody's having a good night to get a hand up in the face? Well, here's where I think that can be neutralized a bit. And you're right, when you've got four guys in double figures, you've got lots of options. You know, planning for every one of them is going to be hard to do. But Steve Forbes and company have had a full week to get after the guys, let them know all those different possibilities, how you can adjust to them. Having the extra few days to prepare for Western Carolina, you know, I think a lot of people would look and say, well, I'd much rather, rather have it be Furman or Wofford where you have a full week before. That's fine. You know, I, I don't disagree with that statement. But Western Carolina, you know, again, if you don't take them seriously, if you just look at it as a walkover, I think that you're right. There can be some very, um, you know, unfortunate happenings and possibilities of a major upset because I think this would be viewed in the Southern Conference as a major upset. But the Bucks have had this extended period of time and are coming off a loss. You know, Steve Forbes was not taking it easy on them this week, I'm quite sure. You know, looking back at that UNCG film, and there were some good points made on Twitter, I thought, about the seven-point loss. You know, having Allegri go off for 15, and we talked about this a little bit on Monday, and having him hit five threes, and really Steve Forbes talking about the Bucks getting you know, whipped. If if that's them getting whipped by seven points, you know, by UNCG, if that's them getting dominated, then I think ETSU is in a pretty good spot. And while Western Carolina does have a multitude of scoring options, um, odds are you're not going to have more than one or two of them be hot on a given night. And when the Bucks are able to identify, and they've got some very smart individuals leading them, and B.J. Uh, Mackey and Coach Shea and Coach Forbes, you know, I think that they'll be very helpful in being able to identify on the floor who is the hot hand, how you're going to stop that hot hand. I am just very interested as well, Jay, to see how this team does react, you know, after the week off. And um, there's always the worry, at least in my mind, that it's too much time, right? You focus it on something, you start to overthink things. When you are the better team in terms of uh, Western Carolina being across from you, you're going to be the favorite. I don't know what the line would be, but you're probably favored by uh, 8 or 10 uh, on a given day against them. But regardless of that, you've got to just go out and play your game, not overthink things, not get too deep into the X's and O's, and just make sure you're guarding your man, taking away what they want to do. And if the Bucks do that, it shouldn't be too much of an issue. Well, that's our breakdown, ETSU versus Western Carolina. Don't forget that game, 7 o'clock. I'll have the pregame show at 6.30 with you. Doubleheader day. Mike Gallagher will have the call at Mercer. 1.30 pregame, 2 o'clock will win. ETSU women's tip it up against the Bears of Mercer. Steps out for a timeout. When we come back, it's bold predictions where I actually have control and can shut off Mike's mic. That's what I'm excited about. I'm going to do that after this time out to your words. Ben Wagner, this is the Buccaneers Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges. Or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. 
Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Jackson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. The Firehouse Restaurant in downtown Johnson City has been a proud supporter of the Bucks since 1980. Our hickory smoked barbecue, sides, sauces, dressings, and desserts are all made from scratch because that's the way the locals like it. Our tailgate packs are available through Firehouse Catering for 12 or more, starting at just $8 per person. The packs are available all season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays. For more information, visit thefirehouse.com. Come see us before the big game. The Firehouse, 627 West Walnut Street between ETSU and downtown Johnson City. How many places do you ever go without your smartphone? My name is Wesley Fletcher with the First Bank and Trust Company. Now you can pay securely for your purchases with your smartphone too. Just add your check card to the wallet app on your phone to pay for all your purchases. So keep on moving, keep on traveling, and keep on shopping with the First Bank and Trust Company and Apple Pay and O, providing mobile solutions when you need them most. Your bank for life. Firstbank.com, member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were... This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway... This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. I smell the newest Jumbo One with a chance at a $4 million top prize. It's so big, you can play both sides. Jumbo Bucks 300X. Good news, you don't need magic beans to meet this giant. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing, giant-sized fun. Please play responsibly. There is no way LeBron James leaves Cleveland again. I agree with Jarvis Landry. I think the Browns are a Super Bowl contender this year. How in the world can you not see that Big Baller Brand is far superior to making the NBA than Puma? Yeah, rumors fly a lot. Jason Witten is not going to Monday Night Football. I mean, the Mike Ayers rumor that he's leaving, no way. I bet he's there until 2025. Terrell Owens has made a career off jawing, running his mouth. Will he be in Chattanooga for his Hall of Fame induction? No chance. He'll be in Canada. Bold prediction. Worst segment on radio, if you're paying attention to my bold predictions, 9-47. and 47. That is a healthy, healthy Mike Gallagher. I'm hitting 191. Mike Gallagher in his cheating ways, 14 of 45, hitting 311. He had a couple. Did he hit two last week or just one? Two out of three, baby. That's garbage. All right. I will. Uh, I guess I have to go first. I'm going to go ETSU women's basketball. Mercer is dominated in league play points in the paint. I'm going with ETSU is going to have 40 or more points in the paint, and that will be higher than Mercer's points in the paint. Wow. That, that is bold. 40 is quite the amount. ETSU certainly has the bodies. They have the size. They have the production. They have the skill to do so. So I do kind of like that bold prediction. Um, I'm going to go with Erica Haynes-Overton. You know, this may be obvious, but um, I, I don't remember this year 
I've looked at Erica, aside from maybe twice, and thought, boy, that's the dominant ETSU guard that was the defensive and freshman player of the year last year in women's basketball, uh, someone that very well could have been the preseason conference player of the year. Um, once she dropped 35 earlier this year, that was uh, one moment. And then two games ago, uh, when she had 16, 10, and 6 against Wofford, and that was more because of her passing, really, where she was dropping dimes left and right and setting her teammates up. I'm going to say Erica Haynes Overton for the second time this year, 30 points or more, um, and, and that prediction is going to stand on its own, but... With that being the prediction, I think that will lead to ETSU being right in the contest at the end. And they've started to win some close games at the end. They've obviously lost more than they've won with the long list of games where they've, as we mentioned in segment one, been within, you know, 10 points uh, with 15 minutes for less to go, et cetera, et cetera, like we already rattled off. But I think that's going to really allow them the opportunity to pull this upset. On the men's side of things, I love that you said that. On the men's side of things, it's been 21 years since the Bucks lost in Cullowhee. I'm going 20 or more points. W, men's basketball with a vengeance. They are mad about how UNCG happened. So I'm going to go. They take out the frustration on the Catamounts. Yeah, and I'm going to go similar. I think that three players or more, and if it's or more, I mean, this is going to be an incredible night for the Bucks. but three players or more will have 20 points or more for ETSU. I think they're going over 100, quite honestly. I think this is going to be um, a one-sided affair. Uh, I know that I'm kind of going maybe a little bit against the grain with a lot of the stuff that I said in segment three because very well could be a trap game, right? You come off a UNCG, a little bit of a demoralizing loss, a big game, and you've got bigger games coming up that are ahead. But I think that this has been a week that ETSU has used wisely. I think that ETSU is focused coming off that loss, and I think they're going to show it with a massive victory and three players with 20 points more. Well, now I'm going to go for my uh, last bowl prediction. I'm going to stay in league play. And I'm going to go Mercer men's will defeat UNCG. They have a long story rivalry with overtime, double overtimes. I think even have a triple overtime. They don't like each other. I know Mercer's down, but this would make Mercer's year if they could pull off the upset and beat UNCG again. So I'm going Mercer over the Spartans and men's hoops. I'm up by the student center here in the Hawkins Arena. I should put you over the loudspeaker. You get some cheers. Uh, Sandals and the sidekick would be not only big on the ETSU campus, but on the Mercer campus as well. I have actually, and I'm going to pull a U here because there was a week, because I want us to get back even in terms of the amount of things we predicted. You once predicted five things in a week. I've got three general predictions, if I can remember them all. Firstly, Michigan's playing, so of course I have them losing. They've got Indiana tonight, number, I think, what, five in the country now, or Michigan. Indiana's lost five in a row, and a lot of them haven't really been close. But I think Indiana in their home arena have pulled big upsets before in the past. And I think they're going to, again, Indiana over Michigan. Uh, the Royal Rumble is this Sunday, Jay Sandoz. And I believe that uh, one of the first five entrants, so numbers one through five, will be the victor. Number one through five of the 30 uh, will be the victor of the Royal Rumble. And also Tiger Woods started out with a two under uh, yesterday. He is underway today. I don't know what the results are, but he was tied for 53rd. I think he comes back and he Farmers Insurance Open, and he is at worst 10th at the Farmers Insurance Open. Top 10 finish for Tiger Woods at his first tournament of the year. Love it. Love it. I think I actually think that's a good call. And that, he plays great at Torrey Pines, and uh, we'll see how that goes. I like it. I also like uh, you, you threw a – we talked a little wrestling the other day, threw a little jab in there. So 
We'll see how it goes. I'm glad that you're going to give yourself uh, five losses. I can pick up three wins. I'll be right back in there, guy. You would be right back in there, but if I get all five of these right, firstly, greatest single accomplishment in the history of bold predictions, and secondly, you have no chance the rest of the year. I may just quit. Is that fair? <laughs> All right, Mike, I appreciate him for the wraps on the show here. Uh, I'll see you Monday back in the office. All right, that's Santos and the sidekick. Don't forget to download his SoundCloud iTunes. We'll recap Saturday's contest on Monday's show. We'll also look at pros versus Jays. Mike Schwartz, if I down, he's got a good one for me. And last but not least, we'll recap the great predictions by me, the terrible by Mike Gallagher. Santos and the sidekick back with you with another episode next week. Bye, Sports Network.